We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, Best Game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Friday, April the 23rd, 2021. Today's show, we're talking football as I officially break down and preview the 2021 Garnet and Black Spring Game to be held Sunday at 2 o'clock at williams Bryce Stadium. Guys, we'll break it all down. We're talking top storylines, players to watch for, Sunday's spring game standout, who I think that'll be what I want to see most from Sunday's spring game offensively and defensively. Much, much more as the Gamecocks hit the field for the final time this spring. Also, guys, news and notes to get into. Your listener questions. We've got a packed show here on a Friday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. Can you feel it? Just take a second. Can you feel that? Listen closely. Do you know what that is? 
You know what that is. Football is in the air once again in Columbia, South Carolina. Folks, hope you're doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We're talking football again. Hey, this is the first time football has led off the podcast. And I don't even remember the last time, to be honest with you. It's been a while. It's been quite a while. Very exciting. We're talking actual football on the field that'll be happening this weekend. Very excited, guys. Again, appreciate you all tuning in. Hope you're doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show as always, guys. TGIF, happy Friday. Whether you are on the commute, you're in the office, you got the day off, whatever it may be, I hope this show finds you well. And again, I truly appreciate you guys who are taking your time to tune in and to listen to the sound of my voice, guys. I'm excited. We've got a packed show here on a Friday. First things first, of course, guys, you know, just like last week, I am recording this show before the Thursday night game between South Carolina and Arkansas. So, of course, we're not going to be talking about that game because I have no clue what happened in that game. And, hey, I hope it finds you well. I hope we won the game. I hope I hope that uh, we're on a good mood here on a Friday. But, again, we are talking Gamecocks football here on this Friday. As this show, we are officially breaking down, previewing everything you need to know for Sunday's Garnet and Black spring game. And, yes, I said Sunday, guys, in case you missed it. Due to bad weather in the area for tomorrow, the spring game, in case you did not know, has been moved to Sunday. Kickoff at 2 o'clock at Williams-Brice Stadium. If you bought tickets, obviously, previously, those will be honored. But the game has been moved to Sunday at 2 o'clock instead of the originally scheduled Saturday at 2 o'clock. Again, obviously, with the rain coming in, it's expected to rain all day tomorrow. And obviously, baseball affected as well with their doubleheader going on today. First game for them is at two. Second game is at seven. So a, a, a jumbled up weekend, kind of a mixed weekend. I was thinking, sitting there thinking to myself, what are we going to do for tomorrow? Like content-wise, like it's just a wide open Saturday. I was thinking maybe a little bit of NCAA 14 streaming, a little road to glory, maybe a little bit of playing a little bit of dynasty. I, I don't know, killing some time on a Saturday, or I could just do something I never do and take some time off. But, hey, I, I like making content too much. I like working too, quote-unquote, working too much. Um, I don't know. We'll figure it out, guys. There will be content. You guys already know how we roll. There will be a lot to talk about and a lot to dive into and a lot to uh, discuss, I'm sure, tomorrow. It's crazy how drama seems to follow us wherever we go. So I'm sure that will be the case tomorrow as well. But, again, let's dive right into it, guys. Without further ado, we're talking Gamecocks football and Shane Beamer's first spring game. In Columbia, South Carolina, as the Gamecocks wrap up spring practice for the 2021 spring semester. And guys, let's jump right into top storylines. And like I just mentioned, I think, of course, the number one thing we're all looking forward to and the top storyline of the spring game is Shane Beamer and that new coaching staff. And the fact that this is Shane Beamer's first spring game, the first spring game with a man not named William Muschamp roaming the sidelines since spring of 2015, guys. It has been a while. I'm really just intrigued to see, you know, overall, how do things look? How do things operate? You know, what is it like? I mean, something as simple as, like, what is it going to be like to look down on the sideline and see Shane Beamer wearing that garnet and black, roaming the sidelines, seeing him operate? And overall, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's so much anticipation because, you know, most of us, have not gotten to see Shane Beamer in person, right? We've seen all the videos. We've seen the press conferences. We've heard the things he said. We've read the quotes, all that good stuff. But this will be the first opportunity. And again, we've seen videos of practice and Instagram lives and all types of content. But this will be the first ever time we get to see Shane Beamer and his football team 
on the actual field of play. Again, how does he operate things? How does Shane Beamer look on a quote-unquote game day? You know, of course, they're treating this as a game day. How does Shane Beamer operate? How does he look? His new coaching staff, of course, from your coordinators in Satterfield and White to guys like Eric Kimry and Justin Stepp to Torian Gray to Jimmy Lindsey. You know, what does that look like? You know, what does a game day operation under Shane Beamer look like? And I'm really excited and really intrigued to see that and just see how he operates with things. So, again, I think that's got to be certainly the number one storyline. You know, all of the the optimism and the high vibes and the the overall morale, you know, it's been bubbling and bubbling, and that bubble is, you know, about to burst. We're so excited and we're so, we're so pumped and we're so positive for the direction of Gamecock football, you know, all of the talk has been great. <clears throat> all of the talk has been great to this point. You know, it's been great to see all the positivity and, and all that good stuff. I, for one, am so excited now to actually see it on the field of play. And, and I know the spring game, guys, you, you guys probably heard me talk about on yesterday's show. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the spring game and how great it is, especially for us fans to get to see our team and stuff like that. But I'm definitely not somebody who puts a ton of stock into the spring game. You know, we're probably not going to talk on Monday. I'm going to be drawing a hundred different conclusions and saying this, this, and that, you know, it is a glorified scrimmage, but either way, it is a big deal. Shane Beamer knows that this team knows that we know that it is a big deal for the fans, especially to get their first look at this product under Shane Beamer. I, for one, and I know you guys are as well, really, really excited just to get a glimpse and to see sort of a teaser of what that is going to look like when the Gamecocks take the field this fall in their first season under Shane Beamer officially. Um, another big thing I'm watching for, another top storyline in this one, and again, I've talked about depth when it comes to this team a lot. And Shane Beamer mentioned it earlier this week, and he mentioned it on his call-in show, you know, talking about depth and, and said, honestly, we're, we're not as healthy as I'd like us to be right now. He said, we're not. I'm not as we're not as healthy as I'd like us to be. I wonder, do depth issues affect the spring game? Do depth issues affect the way they operate the spring game? You know, they, they talked about they're doing a garnet versus black, a true division of teams, not necessarily making an offense versus defense, which, which we know the previous regime liked to do. do. Does depth allow them to do that? You know what I mean? You only have 10 scholarship defensive backs, for example. Um, and if you, get, if you have guys injured in different positions, how does that affect the length of the game, how the game goes? Again, I don't think that's really something that, necessarily matters to fans. We just want to see the players and see them on the field and see them in uniform and see them in the pads and, and all that stuff. But I'm just curious to see what does depth look like? You know what I mean? Because you're going to be able to see the bodies. You're going to be able to see the makeup of the team. You know, when I talked to Chris Marler yesterday, he talked about, you know, Georgia, for example, when you looked at them, they win when they get off the bus, right? It, it doesn't take, like, you may not take anything away from the spring game, but you can see, like, man, we got some big dudes. We got some studs. You know, when you watch South Carolina from 10 to 13, and they had guys like Melvin Ingram and Clowney and Devin Taylor and Cliff Matthews, and they had these, these you know, Alshon. They had these huge guys. You could see, wow, our team physically looks like an SEC club. We physically look like an SEC football team. What does this team look like? What does the depth look like? And overall, what just do we look like on the field? Again, how is depth affected? Are there lingering injuries? Are there nagging injuries? We know a guy like, you know, like Marshawn Lloyd isn't really going to, isn't going to touch the field at all. I doubt probably anything contact. Is Kevin Harris still nursing anything? Like overall, what is the health of the football team and how does it affect depth? I'll be interested to see that. Another top storyline, of course, guys. When you're talking on the field of play, you got to start with the quarterback position. And I think that was probably... You know, if not the top storyline, 
one of the top storylines going into spring practice was the quarterback battle, quote unquote, and was a guy going to emerge at that position. And I told you guys at the start of spring, and I, I really didn't believe that Shane Beamer was going to name a QB one at any point. I really think this is a, this is a competition he's going to let go into the summer and and at least early in the fall camp. You know, depending on what it looks like, when will he name a starter? Who knows? But I'm really excited to see all of these guys. You know, Luke Doty, Jason Brown, Colton Gothier, and Connor Jordan. I'm excited to see all these guys and what they can do and what they can bring to Gamecock football. Obviously, the main ones I think we're all focused on, especially, are Luke Doty and Jason Brown. And maybe Colton Gothier as well because he's a true freshman. We've never seen him play. But I really want to see Luke Doty. You know, what strides has he made? You know, we've talked, we've heard all preseason long, you know, Shane Beamer talking about those other guys, talking about Brown, Gothier, and Jordan. Those other guys have to make it a competition. So I think right now, if, for example, this weekend, if this was a real game, Luke Doty is QB1. Like, I don't think there's any question right now. I'm really excited to see, especially in Marcus Satterfield's offense, what type of strides has Luke Doty made in the offseason, especially as a passer? I think we all know he's an elite athlete. I think he's a guy, you know, we saw him against Georgia last year. He can use his legs. He can beat you in multiple ways. He He can extend plays, which is something we really hadn't seen since the Connor Shaw era. But what type of progressions, what type of strides has Luke Doty made in this short time in the offseason? Again, like I said, guys, I'm making all these points to say that, you know, just because if Luke Doty goes out there and goes 10 for 10 for 200 yards in the spring game, that doesn't mean he's going to go win the Heisman, right? But there are certain things you can see in a guy. Hey, physically, what does he look like? Overall, his moxie, his demeanor. Hey, I'm excited to see Luke Doty as far as the leader. Do you see him talking to a lot of guys, picking a lot of guys up? Because we've heard, you know, he has kind of assumed that leadership role, if you will. Also, I'm really excited the quarterback position to see Jason Brown. Hey, this guy was highly touted out of St. Francis. You know, people were saying, you know, look at him. He's physically imposing, right? Six foot four, like 240 or whatever he is. A lot of people saying, oh, you know, he's projectable at the next level and playing in the NFL. What does he bring to the table? You know what I mean? I I think, I think if nothing else, you're going to be able to see, I wonder if you're going to be able to see like, okay, that guy is clearly QB1. Okay, that guy is clearly QB2. That one's clearly QB3. Are we going to be able to see a wide separation, a wide gap between these guys? Or is it a really tight competition? Like, do we see all of them play really well? And you say to yourself, leaving the spring game, hmm, we got a couple of really good options, and I think it's going to be a position battle as we go throughout the offseason. Or is there this major gap? Is Luke Doty really just better than everybody else? Hey, I'm excited to see Colton Gothier, friend of the show. We obviously had him on uh, during last football season, and a guy that, you know, uh, watched his film. You obviously like what you saw there, but I loved his demeanor, his overall makeup. I think he fits the 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 overall pedigree of that position really, really well and somebody that could push for some playing time as a youngster. And then, of course, Connor Jordan. You know, Shane Beamer's been high on him. Does he provide depth? Could he possibly challenge for the job and, if nothing else, push Luke Doty? But when it boils down to it, I'm excited to see just how much of a separation is there between each guy. Because right now, I think Luke Doty is QB1. And is it a situation where he's QB1 by a wide margin? It's like, wow, this dude is just head and shoulders above everybody else. Or is there truly a competition to keep an eye on and talk about as we go into the summer? All right, top storyline. Let's move into the running back position for another top storyline here. And, of course, the running back position is one we're going to be talking about all offseason, all preseason long, because it might arguably be the best position group 
on this South Carolina roster. That and I would say the defensive line are both right up there. But when it comes to the running back group, and especially in the spring game, you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation, guys, yesterday with Chris Marler because we know that guys are starting to opt out, right? We saw that all last season. I know a lot of us don't like it, whatever. It is what it is. You would think if guys would opt out in the regular season, you would think if they'd opt out in the regular season, why would guys play in the spring game, by the way? That's kind of a side note. But how much of Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd do we see? First things first, I don't think we see any Marshawn Lloyd, any type of contact drills. I will be excited to see. I want to get in there early, see if they do some non-contact stuff with him. Just how much is he running around? How much is he cutting? What exactly is he doing? Can he do anything? Because a lot of you have asked about, you know, his his injury and his progression and sort of where he's at with that injury. From what I'm hearing, he's progressing really well. I, I mean, he's going to be fully ready to go, 110% to go for kickoff this upcoming season. And, I mean, he's been doing all the workouts. He's, he's been doing all that stuff. But, you know, I'm curious to see where he's at. As far as Kevin Harris is concerned, and, again, the spring game for guys like Kevin Harris, it, it, I hate to say it's unnecessary, but it kind of is. Like, what does Kevin Harris have to prove in a spring game? I mean, I remember back when, you know, Connor Shaw and Marcus Lattimore and Alshon and Bruce Ellington and Ace and when all these guys were playing at Carroll, like, you're like, what's the point of Marcus Lattimore playing in the spring game? Like, wh- what does he need to do in the spring game besides show up and sign autographs for fans? Like, what does he really need to do? So a guy like Kevin Harris, you know, Shane Beamer's talked about he's been, he's been, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries, nothing serious, whatever. How much do they push him? I think if you see Kevin Harris, which I think you will, but I think it'll probably be for, I think, maximum two or three possessions. Because it's just like, what's the point? You know, I'd rather see personally, I know Kevin Harris is a stud. I know or I feel like Marshawn Lloyd is going to be a stud. I want to see Zaquandre White get the ball. I want to see Rashad Amos touch the football. I want to see, you know, Nathan Harris Wainick touch the football. I, I want to see some of these other guys that, maybe won't get as many looks, won't get as many opportunities in the regular season. And maybe you just start to see, again, like I said, you you don't draw conclusions from the spring game. But I think what the spring game does provide you is an opportunity to say, hey, that kid's got a little bit of a flash. That that kid shows you a glimpse of maybe what he can be. And again, we heard a lot about Zaquandre White being the number one running back out of Juco. and, And I thought Rashad Amos, honestly, I thought he looked really good carrying the football last year. So how much of Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd do you see? And what other running backs do you see tote the rock? And again, what do you see out of them? Because you're going to need depth outside of even those two guys. You're going to need depth at the running back position. I wonder, you know, Zaquandre White, Shane Beamer's been talking highly on him all spring. Does he have a big spring game? Again, Rashad Amos, some other guys, going to be really interesting to see. Another top storyline for me, sticking on the offense. The wide receiver position. This one is a major, major question mark going into the fall, of course. Does anyone emerge at the wide receiver position? Is there a guy sort of like the quarterback position? Does, does anybody sort of, you know, does anybody come out of that group and say, okay, I am trying to take over that wide receiver one? Because, you know, I, I forget who it was. I, I don't know if it was a listener question or, or somebody asked me. It was on the Daily Crow, something. But somebody asked me, hey, who's going to be wide receiver one going into this season? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I truly don't know. And you just wonder, you know, I I don't think just because you have a big spring game, oh, yep, you're wide receiver one. But does anybody at least begin to 
take reins on that? Do we see a DeCarion joiner? I mean, it, it, Josh Van, Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, Rico Powers, Jakari Caldwell, Josh Van, I mean, Chad Terrell. There are guys, there are guys all over the place. Plenty of guys. Who steps up as a dude? Does anybody at least begin to separate themselves as, hey, I'm going to be that go-to guy? You know, I, I, there is a gap between me and these other guys. There's a gap between me and them. I'm going to be the go-to dude. I'm going to be the one that, you know, Luke Doty, whoever's playing quarterback, turns to. Does anyone, do we just at least start to see anyone emerge at the wide receiver position? And I think it's especially interesting in Marcus Satterfield's offense. You know, what do the wide receivers look like in that offense? Hey, what do the wide receivers look like being coached by Justin Stepp? Because I think we'd all agree, you know, there's talent in that wide receiver, and we at least want to believe that. At least I want to believe that, and I feel that way. You know, I just think out of Van Leggett, Jakari Caldwell, I mean, Rico Powers, Mike Wyman, like you're telling me there's not two or three guys that can be playmakers for you? I mean, did you are you really – or Trey Smith? I mean – are you really going to try to convince me that we missed on all of those guys or were they not properly utilized and not properly developed? I'm going to side with the latter. So I'm excited to see the wide receiver position. What has Justin Stepp been able to do in 15 practices? Um, and do we start to see someone, like I said, emerge and kind of start to establish themselves as that wide receiver one? You know, uh, Another big storyline for me, and something like I said, we talked about depth. You know, the offensive line is something that has not been talked about at all, really, in the preseason or something. I know it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, but I'm curious to see the depth there as well. You know, we talk about the running game. We talk about Kevin Harris. We talk about Luke Doty's athleticism. Dude, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you can't win on the line of scrimmage, you can't win football games in this league. You have It starts up front. It starts up front. And South Carolina is a team that returns four of its five starters on the offensive line, obviously losing Sedarius Hutcherson. What does the depth look like, and what does the overall athleticism look like? Because I think that's this offensive line's strength is its athleticism and is its versatility. Again, you got a new offensive line coach in Greg Adkins. you got a new offensive scheme in Marcus Satterfield. What does that look like? And again, will we be able to really tell much because, hey, it's, it's one of those things, like I said, in the spring game, if something good happens, that means something bad's happening on the other side, right? If the O-line pushes the D-line around, you say, oh, my God, what's wrong with the D-line? If the D-line pushes the O-line around, oh, man, the O-line sucks, right? So you, you can't draw conclusions that way in a spring game. But I will be curious to see the depth. How does the second string O-line look to the first string? How does the third string? Do you have, do you have that many guys? Can you roll out a third string offensive line? So – Again, it's not the sexiest position to watch. I know it's not going to be a position that, you know, everybody's watching or anything, but I will be excited and intrigued to see just what that offensive line looks like. Because if you don't have an O-line, if you don't have an O-line, it's going to be hard for you to win football games. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, guys. Things I'm watching for, top storylines. And first thing is this, just the overall athletes and the athleticism on the Gamecocks defensive line. Because like I told you guys, you know, it's up there with the defensive line and the running backs for the best position group on this football team. No question. I mean, you got dudes on dudes on dudes on dudes on that defensive line. And then you've added guys too. guys like, and again, I don't know how much they're going to play. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger if these guys sit out, whatever, but like JJ McBarry, Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, 
Tonka Hemingway, who people have been raving about all preseason long. Jabari Ellis is back. Rick Sandage is back. Boogie Huntley. You know, you add Jordan Strawn from Georgia State, who what led the NCAA in sacks. You've got athletes all over the field on that defensive front. And again, like I told you guys, you know, when I, I've said before, the, the defense is going to be my concern going into this fall, especially the secondary. And how could it not be when you lose all the guys you lost from last year's team? But you know what helps a struggling secondary out? A great pass rush and a great defensive line and a defensive line that can get after the quarterback. You have those type of athletes up front. You have those type of athletes, and it's going to be Clayton White and Jimmy Lindsey's job to make sure you are getting the most out of those guys. What type of aggressiveness, what type of blitzing? I guess what are the rules, too, because I know in the spring game sometimes they don't let them blitz or whatever, but, like, what type schema- – like, schematically, what do we see? And also just do we see a fast, free-flowing defense that lets his athletes go – or do we see guys still kind of trying to learn the system and thinking and playing half speed, half thinking, half speed? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just excited to see those athletes on the defensive front. Cause like I told you guys, you know, when, when a team gets off the bus, you say, Oh, you know, they look like an SEC caliber club that they, they won as soon as they got off the bus, you know, they look the part. I think we look the part on the defensive line. We don't just look the part. I think we are the part. Like I, I think we've got legit studs, legit dudes on that defensive front. And I'm really excited to see those athletes in that game Sunday. I'm just excited to see them get on the field and, and let their talent shine, really. Now, I mentioned the secondary, guys. And the top storyline for me in this spring game is that new-look secondary. Again, just 10 scholarship defensive backs. 10. I mean, <laughs> hey, it's a new-look secondary, right? Where, where do you go from here? I mean, what, what does it look like? I mean, heck, there's going to be a lot of fans, I think, watching that are probably going to be like, dude, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? You know, there's no more J.C. Horn. There's no more Israel McQuamu. Hey, there's no more John Dixon or Jamie Robinson or Shiloh Sanders. All those guys are gone. You know, you got a couple of, a couple of familiar faces back of guys like R.J. Roderick and, and Jalen Dickerson and Cam Smith. But, guys, get this. Cam Smith is your most veteran returning defensive back, and he has three career starts. So that kind of tells you where you are in regards to you know, the secondary and depth and experience. Now, with that being said, I think there are talented players back there. I think guys like, you know, Joey Hunter, I thought, played really, really good in limited time. Um, you know, O'Donnell Fortune, I thought, played pretty well. You know, Marcellus Dials a transfer. What can he do for you? Dominic Hill, I thought a guy that really competed last year. Overall, though, what does the secondary look like? Because, again, you're not going to draw conclusions from this spring game. But do we see this secondary, like, look as bad as we think it is? Or do we see some glimpses, at least the guys that you have on the roster, and say, you know what, at least we got guys that are going to compete. They're going to battle. We've got guys that are scrappy, that are going to fight. They may not be the best in the world. We may be thin. You know, that may be a reality. But we got guys we can go to war with, go to battle with. And, again, that's Torian Gray's job is to flip that secondary room and turn that thing around. But it's going to be a completely brand-new-look secondary. So I think a lot of fans, like I said, are going to be there Sunday or watching on SEC Network Plus. They're going to be like, uh, who the heck are these guys? Like, what? <laughs> what? So just keep an eye out for that secondary, guys. You, you, might, you might learn about some new, new players you've, uh, <laughs> you haven't seen a lot of before. So for sure, new look secondary, definitely a big storyline. Another top storyline for me, and I mentioned Marcellus Dial, and he's one of the many grad transfers and new players, freshmen, whatever. And I definitely think that's a top storyline is just getting our first look 
at these grad transfers, at these true freshmen, at these new faces, because there's so many of them. I mean, you just go down the list of like Jordan Strawn and Debo Williams, who I can't even believe, I can't believe I haven't mentioned Debo Williams' name yet, but Strawn and Williams and EJ Jenkins and Jason Brown and Marcellus Dial, and, and the list goes on and on. You know, Colton Gothier's a new face. Omega Blake's a new face. You know, Nicholas Barrett's a new face. There's, there's plenty of guys on this team that fans have never seen. And I'm really excited because, like I said, you know, I, I, there's a lot of guys on this roster that unless they've made some huge major jump, we kind of know what they're going to give us. We kind of know what they're capable of. But I'm really, you know, there's, there's, there's optimism and there's hope and there's excitement in the unknown, right? I mean, let's just face it. That's the truth. That's the reality. And with these new guys, anytime you have these new, these new transfers or freshmen or whoever, and I really want to see, like, are these guys, do they look the part of this level? Because that was my biggest thing with Jason Brown and EJ Jenkins was, okay, you know, they're highly touted, whatever, and we were all really excited when we got them committed. My biggest question for them was going to be, okay, St. Francis to the SEC. Like, the SEC ain't St. Francis, bro. This is a different level. It's a different league. Are you ready for this? What do those guys look the part? Do they look the part? Do they look ready for SEC football? But I'm really excited, again, like I said, either way, to see all the grad transfers, to see all the guys. Amari and Brown, another one, of course, the wide receiver position. I'm really excited to see these guys, these new faces, these fresh faces. How much of an impact could they make? I think we'll get our first glimpse at that. On Sunday. Then finally, guys, maybe the biggest storyline, the one that you guys care about the most, but top storyline, the final one, guys, really is just it's a day for the fans, man. This is a day for the fans. You know, I know, unfortunately, a lot of you, your weekend was ruined because the game got moved from Saturday to Sunday. I would just say to you, you know, I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, it's going to pour all day tomorrow. And I'm even someone I try to stay optimistic through everything. But realistically, I mean, the weather reports is 100% chance of rain. Sunday, 75, sunny. It just made sense. I'm just glad they're getting it in because I was worried they were going to, God forbid, cancel said spring game. But, you know, again, I've mentioned the spring game is not something where, you know, you're going, it's, we're not going to be sitting here Monday talking about, oh, I mean, this is so bad and this coordinator stinks and this player's this and that. Like, it's a glorified scrimmage. But more than that, what it serves is, what its purpose is, it is a day for South Carolina fans to go to the stadium, to cut on the TV, and to be able to get an early glimpse at their team and to watch the team we love get on the field. You know, growing up, I always loved going with my grandpa to the spring game. It just, it was so awesome. You know what I mean? It was so great to be able to get back in the stadium and and see the team and see the coaches and get ex- get excited a little bit again. You know what I mean? Get a little bit of a taste. It's a little bit of a of a teaser, if you will, before we go into the offseason, a long offseason, what it always feels like, and count down the days. Count down the days until kickoff, until SEC media days, and then fall camp, and then and, that, and then actual kickoff. So it's a day for the fans, guys. I would say this. Just enjoy it. Have a good time. You know, it's a Sunday afternoon. Maybe cook out. Have you a couple of drinks. Hang with the family. Do whatever you want to do. But we get to watch. We get to do something we all love to do and that is watch Gamecock football so I can't wait for that I'm so excited again especially with it being Shane Beamer's first spring game the excitement levels to the roof man so again it's a day for the fans I can't wait if you're going to be there definitely holler I'll be there as well and I, I can't wait to honestly meet all you guys and see you guys and 
and, and, and mingle and talk with the Gamecock fans and just share in that excitement and that joy and that hope for this new era of Gamecock football. Man, I absolutely cannot wait. Let's move, guys, into players to watch for. Just a couple of guys that I'm going to have a special close eye on um, in Sunday's spring game. And there's five guys particularly that I'm really, like I said, going to have a close eye on. The first one, of course, I talked about him earlier, and I actually mentioned all these guys earlier, but the number one guy, and I think most fans, <clears throat> for most fans, this is going to be the guy they're most locked in and focused on, and that is quarterback Luke Doty. I mean, no question. Because in the SEC, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And we sort of, with all, with all due respect to Colin Hill, we saw that last year at times. You know, if you don't have a dynamic playmaker behind center, you just don't have a chance. Can Luke Doty be that guy? You know, because I feel like it has been so long. And this is with all due respect to everyone since, I would probably say, Dylan Thompson. But it just feels like, doesn't it feel like we have swung and missed on the quarterback position so much in the last five to six years? I mean, Connor Mitch, complete bust. Lorenzo Nunez was a bust. Brandon McElwain was a bust. Ryan Helensky turned out to be a bust. I mean, Jake Bentley was the most successful in his career, was one of the most up and down for a Gamecocks quarterback you will ever see. There's been so many guys who have come and gone that did not live up to the hype. Luke Doty, you know, starting the last three games last year, you know, you, you can't hold that against him. Do we start to see him again establish himself as the true QB1, as the leader of this football team, and maybe a guy that can give this football team hope and a spark and excitement in year one of Shane Beamer. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him. And like I said, definitely as well, you know, his progression. How much has he evolved? How much better has he gotten since we last saw him? Like I said, I think it's really tough to judge him on what we saw last year. But I think you're definitely going to see out of Luke Doty the athleticism, of course. You're going to see the moxie. You're going to see the leadership. Hey, I think everybody wants to see him spin it. Everybody wants to see him throw the ball. That's, that's the, you know, a thing that fans tried to knock him on, which I think was, you know, a little bit misguided, whatever. You know, it's hard for me to judge anything Luke Doty or this team did under the last regime. But I'm definitely going to have a really, really close eye on Luke Doty, just the way he performs. Again, the quarterback position is always, always the lead storyline for any football team. And that is no different for the Gamecocks this offseason and for this spring game as well. Really excited to watch number four under center. The second guy I'm looking forward to watching, again, I'm really not ranking these one through five, but I'm just kind of going on the list. Another guy I'm looking to watch for, and someone that we're all pulling for. We're all pulling for so hard, man, because this dude has done all the right things. He's said all the right things. Heck, he's changed positions. He stayed when he could have transferred. He has been the ultimate team player through it all, and that is to carry on Joyner. And again, I know he's battled some injury. I know he's had some nagging injury. As of now, he's playing. So, guys, if he doesn't play, again, that's my bad. As of now, he's playing. So, I'm going to assume he is playing. But I'm really excited just to see, you know, under Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer in this new offensive look and this new offensive scheme. You know, Shane Beamer's talked about explosive plays, and they need more explosive plays. I think Dak Joyner is a guy that can provide you with a lot of explosive plays. I mean, it seemed like every time he touched the football last year, Something big happened. Why he didn't touch the football more, none of us know. I mean, that's, that's the million-dollar question, or I guess the $13 million question when you factor in the buyout. But I don't know why he didn't touch the football more. I'm really excited to see how do they utilize him. Do we see Dak Joyner start to take shape as a true wide receiver? Is he a wildcat guy? Is he used in special packages? Is he used 
for trick plays. Like, how do they utilize him and his skill set? Because Dak Joyner, guys, maybe he's not a quarterback. Maybe he's not even a true wide receiver. But Dak Joyner has a skill set. You just can't argue that. The guy has a skill set. And I just feel like with the right coaching and the right people putting the puzzle pieces in place, if you solve that mystery that's Dak Joyner, I I think the return on your investment could be astronomical. I mean, this dude has legitimate skills. This dude's a legit baller. Taught anybody who watched him, anybody who knows him. So really excited to see, do we get a first glimpse of how they will utilize Dak Joyner and his skill set? Another guy I'm watching for, guys, against someone that's been, you know, really highly praised and, and, and taught about since he got on campus, somebody who's been taught about all throughout the preseason is coming on as a leader on that defensive side, and that is linebacker Debo Williams. Again, we've heard all of the you know, where we've seen all the quotes, we've heard all the things he said about how much he loves to hit, you know, he wants to kill somebody when he hits them, whatever, and, you know, that's all fine and dandy. Obviously, he's another guy as a grad transfer, a fresh face I'm excited to see, but what does he bring to the table? Again, you lose Ernest Jones from last year's team. You lose Ernest Jones. Somebody's going to have to step up and fill that void. Somebody's going to have to be that guy and be that leader, be that heartbeat of that defense. Somebody's going to have to hold people accountable. And Debo Williams is a guy, you know, it's interesting because where did he come from? Delaware? I mean, it's not, you know, you wouldn't think a guy like that would jump into the SEC and all of a sudden, you know, be your top player on defense or be your top linebacker, God forbid. But it seems like that's what's happened. It seems like he's been a leader since day one in the weight room, all throughout practice. He's really coming to his own and taking control of that defense. I'm really excited to see what does Debo Williams just look like on the field? Can he... Can he replace, quote-unquote, Ernest Jones? And I say, I say replace in quotations because I think replacing Ernest Jones is, is, is going to be a hell of a task, much easier said than done. But Debo Williams been talked about so much in the preseason. I'd say arguably the most talked about guy in the preseason. What does he look like in our first look seeing him? Um, sticking, on the, sticking on the defensive side, another guy I'm looking forward to, you know, again, that secondary. It's hurting. You lose a lot of guys, right? You, you lost J.C., Izzy, all that. And I told you guys, Way back in December, I had a conversation with a guy that's going to play in Sunday's spring game, by the way. He's on the football team. Um, he's a member of the secondary. I'll tell you that. I won't tell you, obviously, who it is, but he's a member of the secondary. He's on the football team. And he told me, he said, Chris, this guy is a better cornerback than J.C. and Izzy. I'm willing to say that right now. He didn't have a great year last year. He wasn't put in the best possible position to succeed, but he is a better true corner then J.C. and Izzy both were. And that guy is Cam Smith. I'm excited to see Cam Smith again. I think this is going to be the beginning of, you know, he talked about I can be the J.C. of this year's defense. And that's very bold because J.C.'s a first-round draft pick, probably going to be a top 15 pick at worst. But he's no doubt going to be the leader of this secondary, a secondary that's probably going to struggle this year. Let's just go ahead and face it. They're probably going to struggle. Can Cam Smith sort of, like I said, come into his own be that leader. You know, can he lock down his side of the field? What do we see? Again, a guy that had such an interesting year last year in 2020. Fans wanted him booted off the team after game one. And now I think he might be cornerback one this season. I'm excited to see what he can do for you. Final guy, final player, guys, that I'm watching for in this one, in the spring game on Sunday. And there were a couple of guys, and I sort of narrowed it down to, but this dude, he has to pan out for this defense to be 
really worth a damn to, to I think to have fans feel good about all your recruiting efforts and, and getting these top prospects on campus. But my final player I'm watching for is Jordan Birch. And again, I don't know how much he's going to play, but I'm just curious to see how does this defensive staff, how much differently do they utilize Jordan Birch than they did last year? Because I thought Jordan Birch very underwhelming for a true freshman. And I know he was a true freshman, but guys, again, you're getting guys that are five-star players and they go through spring and, and, and they're touted as Mr. This and Mr. All That and Heisman this and all-conference this and, you know, whatever. That's all fine and dandy. Those accolades are cool. But what fans want to see is on-field results. And you didn't get that last year. And I don't blame the young man. I don't blame Jordan Birch. I think we can all agree he didn't have the defensive staff to put him in the best possible position to be successful. But now, with a new staff, hey, he's got his old head coach on staff, Eric Kimry. How much does that help him? But what can Jimmy Lindsey, Clayton White, what can this defensive staff do with Jordan Birch? Because, hey, I'd say the same thing for Birch, like I said about Joyner. The dude has an undeniable skill set. Hey, my buddy that works for Georgia, he literally told me, he said, dude, if Jordan Birch ain't a first-round draft pick, y'all messed up. That's how good the kid is. If he's not a first-round draft pick, Y'all messed it up. Not him. Y'all did. Do we start to see that come out of Birch? Do we start to see him like, oh, that, that guy's going to be a playmaker this fall. That guy's going to be a, a disruptor this fall. How much of that do we see? All right, guys, let's move into Sunday spring game standout. Who do I think Sunday spring game standout will be? And who's going to be the guy we're all talking about on Monday? And I mentioned him earlier, but I just – I have, for whatever reason, I have a really good feeling about this kid, and that is wide receiver to carry on Joyner. I, I think Dak Joyner's already a guy that get it, – it's he's such a polarizing player to talk about because there's a lot of people that think he should be getting a shot at quarterback or should be starting at quarterback. You know, everyone agrees he needs the ball in his hands more. From what I've heard, Dak Joyner's finally playing fast. He's finally playing up to his capabilities, and I think a guy – like Dak Joyner, I'm expecting a big game out of him Sunday. I, I don't know. As long as he plays, I think you're going to see him utilized in this offense. I think he'll finally, his skill set is finally going to be utilized the correct way. And I think Dak Joyner will have a big spring game. And I, I think he'll be the guy we're talking about. Because, again, Dak Joyner is that guy that if he has a big game, if he has a big game, everybody is going to be talking about it. It's going to fire everybody up. You know what I mean? So. I really do believe to carry on Joiner. I think he will be Sunday's spring game standout. I think he'll be the guy we are all talking about on Monday afternoon. All right, what do I want to see most from Sunday's spring game? Guys, guys I'm going to break it down offensively and defense, defensively. What I want to see most from the spring game. We'll start on offense. Again, guys, it all comes back to the quarterback, and you got a brand-new head coach. you got a brand-new OC. I want to see Luke Doty running Marcus Satterfield's offense. And just what does the offense look like? Listen, I know it's the spring game. It's going to be televised. You know things are going to be really vanilla. They're not going to show us anything. But what does it look like? What does a Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer offense look like? And what does Luke Doty look like? Sort of steering the wheel, if you will. Like, like what does he look like driving the car? You know, what, what does that look like overall? So, again, offensively, I want to see Luke Doty and Marcus Satterfield's offense again, our first look at that new offensive scheme because I think we can all agree what happened the past five years, unacceptable offensively. you got to be able to score to win in 2021. Bottom line, you got to score a lot of points. Will we see that? And then defensively, what I want to see most from the spring game. Defensively, 
is Cam Smith beginning to establish himself as cornerback one? Because like I said, defensively, the question's a secondary. And you're going to struggle there most likely. But if nothing else, you got to have that quote-unquote lockdown corner. You got to have that guy that is able to at least somewhat eliminate a side of the field. And again, all the hype around Cam Smith, even Cam Smith himself is feeding the hype saying, you know, I can be the JC of this defense. Can he live up to that preseason hype? Again, it's just the spring game. I totally understand. But do we start Do we start to see Cam Smith separate himself from some of the other guys on that roster, from some of the other defensive backs? Do we, do we look out on the field on Sunday and say, wow, Cam Smith looks really good. Cam Smith looks like he's on a different level than everyone else. Because that's what you saw when you saw JC. That's what you saw most of the time when you saw Izzy. Do we see Cam Smith take over and sort of be that dude and be that leader of the secondary? So, again, guys, that's going to do it all for me for the spring game preview. And that is the 2021 Garnet and Black spring game preview breakdown, everything you need to know, guys. And, again, I will be there 2 o'clock kickoff Sunday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Hey, if you can't be there, SEC Network Plus will be the place to watch it. But, again, guys, of course, you guys already know, we'll be making content all day long. I'll be posting videos, pictures, all that good stuff. And I'll let you guys know, by the way, that all those that are tuned in, I'll let you guys know you know, kind of where I'll be, if we're going to be out and about, if we're going to be do some type of meetup or a pregame show, whatever it may be, I will let you guys know what the deal is. But again, can't wait to take in some Gamecock football for the first time in forever to hang out and, 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 and talk Gamecocks with Gamecock fans and just be around South Carolina fans and be back in Williams-Brice Stadium. Cannot wait for the game. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to be an awesome time. And again, to see Shane Beamer's squad for the first time on the field is going to be just awesome. It's just awesome, man. Beyond words. I can't wait. Cannot wait for Sunday. Um, really, really excited. So, again, look forward to seeing all you there, guys. Like I said, if you're going to be there, let me know. We'd love to link up. We'd love to meet up. And, again, I cannot wait to hang out with Gamecock fans, talk Gamecocks, and we can all share in our excitement for the future of Gamecock football. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Like I said, double header today. So, I will be at the ball field all day long. So probably by the time you're listening to this, I'm at Founders Park. We do have a couple of questions from Twitter. I, I threw up a tweet just saying, hey, about to record the show. Uh, we'll take a couple of questions. James Campbell says, at 2J Campbell 2, if we win tonight, he's talking about Thursday, what do you think our chances are of sweeping? And again, by the time you guys are hearing this, you already know the game one result. If South Con is to win game one, the chances of sweeping, I mean, they're much higher than if you lose game one. I know that's obvious, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I think they're fairly decent, but I, I still think this is going to be a really competitive back and forth series. I'd be surprised if there is sweet there is a sweep one way or another. Leighton Stauffer at Stauffer underscore Leighton says, "Who do you think steps up in the defensive backs room? Other than Cam Smith, there isn't really an established name at corner or safety." Um, I'll tell you this: I do like Joey Hunter a lot. I like the way he played last year. I like Jalen Dickerson at safety. You know, does R.J. Roderick make a jump? God forbid. Um, but I'd probably say, and you know, that, that's the question, man. Somebody's got to step up, Leighton. No question. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. There's plenty of unknowns in that secondary. Who, who are going to be the guys? I do like Joey Hunter a lot. I thought Joey Hunter was really solid last year, played well in that Kentucky game in the final game of the season, so he could be one. And again, Jalen Dickerson at safety to me could be a big-time guy. Uh, Gamecock Weatherman, my guy Matty P at Gamecock Weather said, what's the range for Shane Beamer's success this season before the game? And how much stock are you putting it into this performance? Um, range for success, 
you know, I, I think six and six is the goal. I think six and six is very doable. And I think that's what we're going to be shooting for. How much stock are you putting into this performance? Talking about the spring game. Again, it's something great for the fans. It's something great to to see the team and to see, you know, new players and if other players have made developments. But how much stock do you really put into a spring game? Not a lot. You don't. You don't put a lot of stock into it, man. I just, you know, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you draw tons of conclusions from the spring game. I mean, it literally is a practice. It literally is a scrimmage. And like I said, here's the thing that will drive you mad. If something good happens with the offense, people are going to say the defense sucks. If something good happens with the defense, people are going to say the offense sucks. Like you just cannot live in that world. So, again, I think it's going to be a really fun day just seeing this football team for the first time under Shane Beamer. But do you draw conclusions? Does it affect, oh, I saw us in the spring game. We did this, so we're going to go eight and four instead of six and six. No, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. So, But it should be a fun day either way. Last question, Doug Moss, 17. He says, how big of a role do you think the tight end will play in this year's offense? I think a pretty damn big role from what I've heard Marcus Satterfield say and even Shane Beamer, you know, and I, I've heard great things about Nick Muse. You know, I, I had somebody tell me they thought Nick Muse was the player of the spring. Um, and you got to get a lot, a lot of good options at tight end. You know, Nick Muse and uh, EJ Jenkins, I think, will play a little bit of that position. Jaheim Bell, I think, is going to be a stud. You know, Key Mullins, you know, Travion Kenyon, you've got guys. So, again, I think the tight end position will play a major, major role in the offense. I think it'll be the quarterback's best friend, especially uh, on third down. No question. So, again, guys, thank you so much for listener questions, guys. And thank you again for tuning in. This has been a great week. It's been an awesome week. Content just rolling, bleeding out the eyeballs with baseball, with the spring game, even with the adjustments in the schedule. We love it. It's been incredible, guys. Thank you again so much. I, I cannot ex express to you how grateful I am for the love and for the support and for everything you guys do, man, like I said, you guys are the engine that makes this thing go. I'm so excited to, you know, for this weekend in Gamecock Sports, man. How lucky we are. We get to go to the stadium and actually watch and be a part of it. And, dude, after last year with no spring practice and no spring game and what COVID did, I, this is, I have not been looking forward to a spring game this much in a very, very long time. So, again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Hey, if you're going to be at the spring game, like I said, let me know. We'd love to link up. Looking forward to it. And again, we'll talk on Monday. But again, guys, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Have a great time Sunday if you're going. If not, tune in, enjoy yourself, and we'll talk to you on Monday. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.